This is a special message for listeners of episode 41 of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Throughout the course of this episode, the host will refer to Elf on the Shelf as Elf on a Shelf. We apologize for any distress or dismay this may cause you or your family. And now on with the show! Hey buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. (laughs) Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's August 25th, 2018, and that means there's four months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the divisive Christmas tradition, Elf on a Shelf. We've also got a way for you to get your daily Christmas music fix. I'm going to count down the top five Hallmark ornaments I'm excited for this year. We'll see if we can justify our early Christmas excitement with science! And we've got another Christmas movie idea co-written by you. Okay, let's start the show! Christmas lovers, Christmas likers, and even the Christmas curious. All are welcome here. It's another Rudolph Day and another episode of the merriest podcast on earth, the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast with your host, me, Tim Bath. The merriest podcast on earth? That's quite a bold claim. Okay, imaginary listener, it sounds like Kermit the Frog. I see you're jumping in super early this episode. I'm just saying that that's a lot of hubris to proclaim this thing to be the merriest podcast on earth. There are a lot of merry podcasts out there. Are you really merrier than the Christmas Past podcast, the Christmas Stocking podcast, Tis the podcast, right. Tinsel Tunes, okay. Weird Christmas, Are, Holiday yeah. Special, Are, Are, Christmas Creeps? All right, I get it. There are a lot of merry podcasts out there. What about the My Merry Christmas podcast? That one has merry in its name. Fine. This is the merriest podcast on this particular RSS feed. Okay, I can live with that. Great. And since you brought up the My Merry Christmas podcast, you reminded me of something I wanted to talk about in our first segment. We need a little Christmas now. We need a So as you may know, the My Merry Podcast is just one branch of what they call the Internet's largest continual celebration of Christmas over at MyMerryChristmas.com. Another branch of their sprawling digital celebration is their forums. I think I may have mentioned the forums in a past episode as a way to get a little Christmas now, but today I'm going to be a little more specific. There's one thread on the forums that I visit almost every day. It's called A Christmas Song Every Day, and the title does not mislead. Every day someone, or a few someones, will post a Christmas song. Now, I don't know if they're intentionally trying not to repeat, but it's gotten way past your obvious Crosby's White Christmas or Nat King Cole's Christmas song. I have been treated to several songs I had either never heard of or long forgotten. Like, I'm obviously a big Christmas fan, and I'm also a big Muppets fan. So much so that even my imaginary listeners sound like Muppets. I heard that! But I found a song in that thread that was the Muppets singing with CeeLo Green that I had never heard before. What a fun new treat to discover! And it's all thanks to that forum thread. Plus, at the time of this recording, that thread is 101 pages deep, so you can binge on the archives like it was a Netflix Marvel series. So, to Xmas365, the person who started this thread, or the OP as you kids like to say, thank you. It's much easier to keep Christmas in your heart when you have it playing in your ear. By the way, if you're doing a mad scramble to try and find this thread in the forums right now, don't fret. I made it super easy. I put a link to the thread in the show notes for this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Maybe you'll discover a new favorite Christmas song that you can play while you're trimming your tree this year. 
And speaking of trimming your tree, that leads us to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. Last month, Hallmark unveiled their catalog of new Christmas ornaments. Now, my tree is already overloaded with ornaments, and there's no need for me to get any new ones. So naturally, I grabbed the catalog and was perusing it to see what I wanted. I present to you now my top five favorite ornaments from the catalog. Fair warning, all the ones I like are the ones that make some kind of noise. So if you find those annoying, this is not the list for you. All right, here we go. Number five. Santa's Magic Train. Ho, ho, ho. All aboard the North Pole Express. I like how much is going on with this one. It's Santa standing in front of this huge train set. The train goes around and through a tunnel on the ornament. There's elves that push a train cart thing back and forth. There's a little wheel thing that spins. And a tiny Santa in a tiny sleigh spinning around in circles on the top. Plus, Santa's voice sounds almost exactly like the Santa from the Rudolph Rankin Bash special. I know this will get broken five seconds after I try to put it on the tree, but it's still pretty cool. Number four. Polar Express Bell. What a great idea for an ornament. At first, I assumed it was just a recreation of the bell from Santa's sleigh that the kid gets in the Polar Express. I thought that was cool enough, but apparently that's old news. They already had an ornament like that. This ornament actually plays Tom Hanks' voice from the movie. Now you can have all the fun of the Polar Express movie on your tree with none of the uncanny valley. At one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. But as years passed, it fell silent for all of them. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as it does for all. Who truly believe. Number three. Charlie Brown Christmas Collection. Good grief. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. These aren't actually available till October, but they look super cool. It's five different ornaments, a Charlie Brown, a Snoopy, a Lucy, a Schroeder, and a Linus. You can buy them all separately, and they all talk. But if you get them all and string them together with something Hallmark calls the magic cord, they actually interact with each other. The downside is it doesn't seem like they use the actual audio from the special. And I'm not sure how they got the money to license two-time Academy Award winner Tom Hanks' voice, but they couldn't afford four kids who did voice work back in 1965. Anyway, it's still pretty cool looking. Number two. Ralph the dog. All he used were eight little notes, just eight, count them eight like these. He'd mix and match and hatch a batch of catchy melodies. I almost didn't put this on my main list because there's nothing specifically Christmassy about this ornament. I mean, other than the fact that Ralph has been in several Christmas specials. But the ornament is just Ralph from the Muppets sitting at a piano. And when you press the button, he plays a song called Eight Little Notes, which is not about Christmas, it's about Beethoven. But I cannot help it. I love Ralph, and although I don't remember that song from the Muppet Show, I instantly love it. Now I want this on my tree. Star Wars Collection. This is another series of ornaments like the Peanuts Collection. You got Luke's X-Wing, the Millennium Falcon, a TIE Fighter, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, and the Death Star. They all light up and play sounds from the first Star Wars movie. And by the first Star Wars movie, I of course mean Episode 4, A New Hope, which is technically... Everyone knows what you mean. Okay, imaginary listener, it sounds suspicious like Darth Vader. I was just trying to clarify. I find your lack of brevity disturbing. Very well. Anyway, also like the Peanuts ornaments, these will interact when you hook them together. They do an abridged version of the Death Star battle from the end of the movie. It's very impressive. Most impressive. Sure. So why isn't this number one on your list? 
Well, this one fell into the same trap that the Ralph ornament did. It's not Christmassy at all. Plus, it's super long. I can imagine enjoying the recap of the Death Star battle a few times, but after a while, I'd be like, shut it off! But the perfect mix of Christmas and appropriate length can be found in... Number one! Mickey, Donald, and Goofy Carolers. Tis the season to be goofy! <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas! We wish you a Merry Christmas! We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year! Good tidings we bring to you and your kin! Yes, yes, a million times yes! This is so awesome. It's three ornaments, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. They can sing by themselves, but when they work together, instead of telling a story, they sing in beautiful harmony. Growing up, I had something similar. Uh, it's four little miniature houses with doors that would pop open and the characters would pop out like a, like a cuckoo clock. It was basically the same thing, but instead of an ornament form, it was just uh, like a four houses that you had to set up somewhere on a shelf or on the floor or whatever. I found out my mom still has it and it still works, but this is just the modern day equivalent and I so need it on my tree. Unless they sell out before I get up the guts, I am totally adding this to my collection this year. So those are my faves. Which ornaments are you tempted to add to your collection this year? Share with the whole class at facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod. In the meantime, let's move over to the Christmas anchor desk for our next segment. All I want for Christmas is news. Baby, all I want for Christmas is news. Yeah. Give me that news, baby. Yeah, news. Many, many waiters sent me this news story. And before I get into it, I feel like I should address a running theme I saw when people sent me this story. A lot of folks said something to the effect of, Sorry, I know a ton of people probably sent you this. Listen, don't be sorry. I have no issues reading the same story multiple times. I just love that you see a Christmas story and you think to share it with this podcast. So thank you to all of you who sent this in. And to all of you who saw it and thought, nah, I won't send it. He's probably already seen it. Don't be afraid. Send away. What if you happen to see something that the rest of us miss? Christmas is a season of sharing, so feel free to share stories like this one. Frank one. you haven't even told us what the story is. Get on with it. Calm down, calm down. I'm getting to it. This story is from the British website Unilad. It is titled, People Who Put Up Christmas Decorations Earlier Are Happier According to Science. Well, of course we are. What did you think Jolly meant? Did, did we need science to tell us that merry people are happy? Well, the article says that people putting up Christmas decorations earlier are generally happier and more welcoming to neighbors, according to a report in Science Direct. So, most people don't click through to the science articles, but since we're taking the time to talk about this on the show, we might as well fully explore it. So let me read the abstract there at Science Direct. Wait. This report wasn't testing whether people who decorated early were happier. They were testing whether or not neighbors viewed decorations as a sign that people were more friendly. And their research found that, quote, Raiders used Christmas decorations as a cue that the residents were friendly and cohesive. Well, if that doesn't belong in a Hallmark card, what does? So based on the abstract of this report, there's nothing to indicate that this study had any link between happiness and early decorating. It just seems like Unilad summarized it that way, and nobody read past the title of their article to the meat of this study. Which, by the way, concluded that results support the idea that residents can use their home's exterior to communicate attachment and possibly integrate themselves into a neighborhood's social activities. Science. Good for facts, a little weak on soft and fuzzies. I've conducted my own informal study, which concluded that people who do what makes them happy 
tend to be happier. So if decorating early makes you happy, I say go for it. Don't wait for science to give you permission. And speaking of things that make me happy, let's hear from you as we open Santa Bab's mailbag. Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you or tweets or Facebook messages to Santa Bab, he is opening up his mailbag tonight. This first one was actually a post on our Facebook page from Glenn who says, Question. My partner asked what to call someone enamored with Christmas. Noelophile? Christmophile? Any others? It's a good question. I suggested Chris Maniac, but when written out, it just looks like a super intense Christian person. Then Glenn said that he thought about Chris Maholic, but it didn't sound appropriate. So let's workshop this. What are some other names for people who really like Christmas? Shoot around the room. Kermit Guy, what do you got? Uh, Rudolph Fanatics? I like it. I like it. I'm on board for these reindeer games. Vader Guy, what about you? Uh, lean, mean, red and green machines? Not bad, not bad. It's a mouthful, but it paints a picture. I got one. How about Pum Bums? Uh, seems a bit negative. Look, there are no bad ideas in a brainstorming session. I know. Why don't we throw it to the listeners? Tell us what you think a good name for a diehard Christmas fan is. Leave a comment over at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Now, let's go further into the mailbag to a very specific section called Feedback from Our Last Show. Messages from listeners everywhere. Feedback on our last show. Feedback on our last show. First, I want to give a big thank you to all of you who responded so well to the iTunes review thank you gift we started last time. If you don't remember, all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on iTunes and then email me with your information and I'll send you one of our Can't Wait for Christmas, Is It Christmas Yet? Main Street style buttons. Or if you prefer, a sticker. I also want to apologize for how long it took them to get shipped out. Turns out it's a bigger ordeal to ship a 3-inch metal button than I thought. So sadly, the first batch didn't go out till shortly before I started recording this episode. So I apologize for the shipping schedule. I think I've got it worked out now, so go ahead and leave that review. And also, I want to say what amazing reviews we're getting. You're so sweet and generous and flattering in your reviews. Let me just read a few. Like this one. Is, like this one. This show is not only informative, but is so funny and silly. Tim Babb truly loves Christmas, and lucky for us, he is also a comedian. Keep the Christmas spirit alive all year long with this one podcast. Thank you, Christine, for comedy. Or this one, funny, festive, and fearless. You can't find a funnier podcast with imaginary listeners and a wealth of Christmas knowledge to boot. Tim and his imaginary listeners that sound an awful lot like celebrities bring the ho-ho-ho to the internet. My favorite part is the outtakes. No, wait, it's five golden things. No, wait, it's the diehard debates. What the heck? It's the whole eggnog. It's Christmas all year long. How is that a bad thing? Thank you so much, Rock Dog 520 Here's another Christmas fun all year long. Tim Babb seems like a guy I'd like to hang out with. His podcast is fun for all Christmas lovers. My lack of five stars review is because it's only once a month. I want more. Smiley face. Well, thank you, Prilzilla. Let's totally hang out at the Christmas party this year. And this last one, Christmas joy all year long. I can't say enough good things about this podcast to truly get out how I feel about it. Like Tim, I too became obsessed with Christmas a few years ago. I found this podcast and immediately loved it. I became a huge fan right away and binge listened until I had finished all episodes. To this day, I'm still re-listening to each episode whenever I need a taste of the holiday. I feel excited for the 25th of every month because I get to listen to a new episode. It feels nice to know that there are other people that have the same love for Christmas as I do, and this podcast reminds me of the feeling and excitement of the season. The comedy of the podcast helps bring the joyfulness of Christmas even when Christmas is 364 days away. It helps with the disappointment of the end of the season as Tim Babb continues showing joy and excitement, which makes it feel like Christmas is once again around the corner. This podcast serves as a countdown with every episode reminding us of the greatness of Christmas past, present, and future. Thank you, C. Davalos 1992. 
a lot of these were better written than probably 75% of the episodes of this show. I am, I, I am truly humbled and immensely thankful for all your kind words and support. And it goes beyond just the reviews. I got such great feedback on the tale from last episode of my dad and Christmas 1983. I was worried it was too personal of a story to be interesting to anybody outside my family. But you guys really dug it, and that is super cool. It inspired me to make a shirt for myself that says, And that was Christmas 1983. In this goofy 80s retro style. Now, when people see me wearing the shirt, they ask what the shirt is about, and I get to talk about Christmas and my dad. Double bonus. Speaking of my awesome parents, someone left a comment on the website regarding my wonderful mother. Listener Marsha writes, I wonder what your mom got in 1983 that was so expensive. Probably jewelry. This reminds me of a newlyweds Christmas. They were married on December 20th, and they were very excited about Christmas. Before and after their marriage, the wife kept putting gifts for her intended under the tree. However, she observed from the 18th to the 24th, there remained only one present for her. Christmas morning, still just one gift, and she, holding back remarks about cheapness, opened her package. It had a blouse, skirt, bracelet, necklace, scarf, and earrings inside, and they all coordinated. She burst out her frustration anyway, saying that each should have been in a separate box. The husband, mildly annoyed, asked if he gives her a pair of socks. Should he wrap two boxes? The wife huffily said, yes! Merry Christmas. Thanks, Marsha. That's a great story. And honestly, I don't know what my mom got that year. When I was watching the video to grab the audio for the last episode, I noticed that little six-year-old Tim was in his own little world not paying attention. So I have no memory of it. And I'm not sure if my mom even remembers. You know what? Let me ask her real quick. Hey, Ma, do you remember what that present was you got in 1983 that made you so mad at Dad? Nope. Okay, thanks. Nope, she doesn't remember either. But thanks everyone for the comments, the messages, and especially those iTunes reviews. Keep them coming. But now, it is with mixed emotions that I must move on to our feature segment. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf? Get ready for Odd Facts on a Podcast. The Elf on the Shelf, where can you be? I pop out of bed each morning to see You watch as I try to do as I should At night you tell Santa the news is all good Families together, the magic and joy Christmas is special for each girl and boy The Elf on the Shelf. So full disclosure, we don't have Elf on a Shelf in our house. The closest we have is one of the many imitators, Switch Witch. It's a witch that stays with you for Halloween and takes your kids extra candy and exchanges it for a toy, if they're good. Because if you're going to defeat gluttony, apparently the best way to do it is with materialism. So anyway, from what little I know of Elf on the Shelf, it didn't sound much better. So I was planning for this feature to just be me dunking on this silly thing for five to ten minutes. We'd all have a good laugh at its expense and call it a day. But then, when I went to do a little research on this thing, I found out the internet is full of people hating on Elf on a Shelf. And for so many varied reasons. It's all over the web, and some of it is quite nasty. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf? Well, these are epithets on the internets. Oh, is this gonna be a running joke? Count on it, frog boy. Yeah, well, you've heard of Elf on the Shelf? Well, get ready as this imaginary listener legs it to the exit. So long, rhyme boy. Okay. Well, what I was getting to is that despite all this negativity, Elf on a Shelf is super popular. They've sold at least like 8 million of these things all over the world. It's amazing that something so popular can be so hated. Elf on the Shelf is the nickelback of Christmas. When the sun goes down and stars fill the skies And you cuddle in your covers and shut your little eyes And you slip into slumber and dreams swirl in <clears throat> That's the time when the party begins! Scout elves don't rest when the nighttime comes Got the house to myself, I have some fun I eat and play and jump and run Scout elves don't rest when the nighttime comes So I decided rather than just criticize this thing, I would actually learn about it. So, I checked the book out from my local library and read it, and it breaks down like this. This elf that looks suspiciously like a doll sits in your house all day. You can't touch it or move it, and it can't move while you're awake. But it's watching you. 
Then, at night when you go to sleep, it magically flies back to the North Pole and tells Santa if you are naughty or nice that day. Then it flies back in time for you to wake up and find the elf in a new position. This goes on until Christmas Eve until Santa comes and visits and takes the elf back to the North Pole for good that year. It's a cute enough little story. The book comes with a little elf so you can have the story play itself out in your very own home, and that's pretty much the gist of it. But I wanted to figure out how this all got started, and it turns out the origin of Elf on the Shelf is a very sweet story. It all starts with a mom, Carol Abersold, and her two adult twin daughters, Shanda Bell and Krista Pitts. I'll let them tell us the story from a video on their YouTube page. One afternoon, uh, Shanda and I were sitting at my kitchen table, and I was telling her where I was in my life, which was at the very bottom, rock bottom. And I was trying to put into words what I was feeling on the inside. And she said to me, Mom, you're such a good writer. Why don't you write a book? I said, oh, the bookshelves are full of books that people don't read, and I don't have anything to say. And she looked up, and Santa had been so gracious and had let Fisbee stay over because he knew that I was down. And she looked up on the shelf in my kitchen, and she said, Mom! We should write a book about our elf tradition and share it with the world. And that was when we started writing the book. That was sort of the beginning of my therapy. That gave me a purpose and something to do. Also something to do with my grown daughter, which was quite a blessing for me. See, how can you really hate Elf on a Shelf? It started because a daughter encouraged your mother to create something, and put it out in the world, and cheer herself up. And it brought them all closer together as a family. So Carol and Shonda wrote the book, and Krista handled the marketing, which turned out to be the much tougher job. They got turned down by every publishing house. Now that would stop most people, but not these ladies. They created their own publishing company so they could self-publish Elf on a Shelf. They published the book in 2005 and began touring it around at trade shows and book signings. Somehow, and this is the part I can't find in my research, this thing became super popular. In 2008, Elf on a Shelf won the Best Toy Award by Learning Express, won Book of the Year Award from Creative Child Awards, and USA Book News' National Best Books Award. How? How do these people, who supposedly had no money and got turned down by every publisher, manage to turn this scrappy idea into a huge hit? I can't find this info anywhere. They're hiding it from us! This Krista must be a marketing genius. They were able to get the Elf on a Shelf a balloon in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in 2012. The book was only published seven years before that. That's crazy! For a character to be made into a big balloon that fast? For comparison to other literary characters, Spider-Man first appeared in 1962, but didn't get a balloon in the Macy's Parade until 1987. The Cat in the Hat was published in 1957, but didn't get his own balloon until 1994. And Peter Rabbit was first published in 1902, but didn't get a balloon until 1996. How did this elf become lately get in the parade so much faster? The dogged determination of their marketing manager, who barraged Macy's with voicemails, emails, and even the dreaded snail mail till Macy's finally gave in. You've heard of Elf on the Shelf? Get ready for Persuade into the Parade. They're getting worse! But a year before the parade in 2012, Elf on the Shelf got its own animated holiday special, an elf story. It actually aired on CBS. It was about an elf who gets adopted by a family with a little boy who's starting to not believe in Santa anymore. So, you know, real uncharted territory there. I haven't actually watched the movie because I can't find it online for free and there's no way I'm paying for that. But the clips I found online were a bit underwhelming. The animation styles may be a step or two above a video game cutscene, and the dialogue seems incredibly cheesy. How'd it go? Did you get a name? <laughs> I'm Snowflake. <laughs> Very nice. How about you? I am Zart. Whoa. Ooh, I like that one. Oh, hey, how'd it go with that boy, yeah. Taylor? Believe it or not, it was Taylor who named me. 
You named me Chippy. I like it. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> what name did you get? Wordsworth, Longfellow, Byron, Keats, Whitman Frost, the third. I, I don't get it. Me either. I get it. They named you after famous poets. <laughs> and a lot of famous poets. Your family must love poetry. What kind of tree? What? Huh? You know, using words that rhyme to tell how you feel. But hey, hey, kudos to them for getting animated special made and aired on a major network. Not only that, there's another special coming out this year called Elf Pets, Santa's St. Bernard's Save Christmas. <sighs> this is featuring a new product from the Elf on the Shelf pokes, Elf Pets. Because of course the elves need pets. They've got two books, one about a St. Bernard and one about a reindeer. Each book comes with a plush reindeer or dog, and instead of the thing watching you and narking on you to Santa, you're supposed to fill the thing on its neck with Christmas spirit, doing acts of kindness. I mean, that's a perfectly good idea, I guess. But the Elf on a Shelf is not done expanding its brand. Not by a long shot. They have accessory kits with elf outfits, elf props. They got a book about elf express letters to Santa. And even a book, Elf on a Shelf, a birthday tradition. Yes, the elf will make a special trip back to your house for your birthday. Because why not? The world stopped making sense long ago. It's time we just go with it. So this one book from a mom and her two daughters has turned into a juggernaut media franchise. And through it all, they always present that this is simply a tradition that was passed down. These aren't dolls, they're actual elves from the North Pole. You don't buy one, you adopt it. Parents are not moving the elf at night when the kids are asleep, it's flying back to the North Pole and flying back. They are steadfast in their consistent message that they are working with Santa to bring this tradition to the world. We take Christmas magic very seriously. I mean, we work at the North Pole 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and often on weekends, the people who work for us are devoted to capturing the magic of Christmas and sharing it with kids, parents. I mean, that's a big responsibility. To work for Santa Claus is huge. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf? Well, prepare for Intent on Commitment. Now, a lot of people really get into Elf on the Shelf. The Elf isn't just in a new location every morning. It's posed in elaborate situations that indicate the Elf was getting into some shenanigans while everyone was asleep. Pinterest and Instagram are filled with these images. And that leads to one of the problems people have with Elf on the Shelf. The extra work involved in an already busy season. I'm going to try and keep it vague here, but the Elf has to end up in these different crazy positions every day? That... Elf might have things to do that don't involve creating some mischievous diorama every morning. Or maybe the elf is just tired from a long day of work. I, I mean, a long night of work at the North Pole. You know, telling Santa about what everyone is up to. And that's another big complaint about Elf on the Shelf. It's basically just a spy that you let live in your house. It's one thing if Santa magically knows if you've been bad or good. It's a whole other thing to have a foreign agent in your own home. You can't talk to him, you can't touch him, you can't escape him. And he's telling Santa everything you do. I saw one article that said it was teaching our children to not have an expectation of privacy. Like, I'm all for rewarding our kids for good behavior, but you've heard of Elf on a Shelf? Get ready for normalization on privacy invasion. Stop! I can't take any more of these stupid rhymes! But that is one of the, my f that is one of the good things to actually come out of Elf on a Shelf. This pervasive meme. So people Photoshop something on top of something else, and they say, you've heard of Elf on a Shelf, get ready for, and then you have to figure it out from the picture. It's like a little puzzle, and some of them make me laugh a lot. I put a link to an article with a lot of them in the show notes at the can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You've heard of Elf on a Shelf? Well, you can call that link a supplement on this segment. For the love of Christmas! That's it, that's it, that's the last one, I promise. And we're done with the elf talk for today. But if you have any thoughts on this phenomenon, are you an elf lover or an elf hater? Let us know in the comments. The elf on the shelf does rest when the nighttime comes. Yeah! But now, let's move on to our results from last month's Who Sang It Best? <laughs> 
In our July show, we had two versions of the song Where the River Meets the Sea from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It was Rose Polizani versus Paul Williams, and according to your votes, the winner is Paul Williams at a fairly close finish of 57-43%. to 43%. In fairness, Paul had an advantage because he wrote the song. Whoops, should have thought of that before I paired these two up. My bad. I'll be sure to pick two contestants that are more on even footing next time around. Better yet, if you have two versions of a song you'd like to hear go head-to-head on a future episode, email us at christmas at tancast.com, and we could feature your matchup on a future Who Sang It Best. Before we go, we're going to create the next warm, fuzzy TV movie together, as you help us write a flick with all the hallmarks of a great Christmas movie. All year long, I've been enlisting your help to write a Christmas TV movie. Since the plots of these films all tend to be pretty similar, I've just grabbed a basic outline and asked you to fill in the blanks. I posted on our official Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram looking for a noun, a job, adjective, another job, another noun, a plural noun, a verb, and another adjective. As usual, you rose to the challenge, so thanks to Andrew, Jennifer, Jen, Glenn, Rich, Todd, Alexia, Barrett, Tiffany, Michelle, Laura, Other Rich, Sunny, Stephen, Blake, Alvin, Rachel, Sean, Luke, and Linoleum Knife. Thank you for writing in and giving us these gems. Mind Train, Forensic Scientist, Sultry, Knife Salesman, Scissors, VHS Tapes, Perambulate, and Cranky. So now, let's mix all these pieces together as I pitch you our latest TV movie, Christmas in the Mind Train. Sunny, a successful forensic scientist, is constantly trying to grow her business. But even her ambition takes a backseat to love when she meets Stephen, a sultry widower with two young children. A knife salesman, Stephen is asked to present his new Christmas scissors line to a superstore. His challenge is he has only 12 days to get his life and his business in order. Talk about a Christmas rush. Sonny shows Stephen that his task goes way deeper than messy VHS tapes and encompasses every aspect of his life. While she's intent on helping him perambulate out the details he has long ignored, Stephen teaches the cranky Sonny that messiness can be a delightful part of life. Funny, the scissors thing kind of makes sense for a knife salesman. Not sure where the mind train comes in, though. Maybe that's where he stores his VHS tapes? little behind the scenes, originally I had picked unconscious as the final adjective, but then that last part read, Stephen teaches the unconscious Sonny that messiness can be a delightful part of life. And that just did not make me feel very Christmassy at all. So, once again, thank you to all who participated and who have been participating all year. If we had our own movie channel, we'd have quite the lineup. So be sure to keep a lookout for when we do this again next month. And that's going to do it for today's show. Quick reminder, I'll be heading back to the stand-up comedy stage September 13th through the 16th at Rooster Chief Feathers in Sunnyvale, California. Come out and see if I've still got it. Details and a link to get tickets are at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And while you're there, tell us your thoughts on Hallmark Ornaments, Elf on a Shelf, or any old thing that's on your merry mind. Next time we meet, it will officially be fall. So until then, keep all those wonderful iTunes reviews coming and keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2018. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can'twaitforchristmaspod. Or on Twitter, we are at christmaspod. Or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network, 
We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. All right, so this outtake is a little different. This is something I actually cut out of the show. I was going to read, I just couldn't find a place to put this in the Elf on a Shelf bit, but one of the things that made me laugh is I was looking at Elf on a Shelf on Amazon, and they have customer questions on Amazon. The customer questions on the Elf on a Shelf page crack me up, (laughs) such as, my Elf on the Shelf keeps telling me to burn the house down. Is this normal? Mine told me the same thing, so we hit him in the fireplace. Our nightmare is over now. And then another one, my Elf on a Shelf keeps watching me use the bathroom. Help? Try closing the door. I'm guessing that your family is also getting a bit tired of watching you use the bathroom. Uh, this one, my elf on a shelf likes the Redskins. Is this normal? As long as they don't like the Cowboys, I think they'll be okay. Pretty sure that's a sports joke, but I'm sure we have sports listeners, so there you go. If Santa's helper takes a picture in the mirror, is that an elfie? LOL, I believe it is. Ooh. That's it. I just wanted to share those. I mean, you've heard of Elf on a Shelf. Well, these are hot takes and the outtakes. You said you were done! I'm sorry, I'm really done. Let's get to the real outtakes now. It's another Rudolph day and another episode of the merriest podcast on earth, the Can't Wait for Crop. <laughs> yep, yep. Stumbled on the name of my own podcast. It's going to be a good recording. Like, I'm obviously a big Christmas fan, and I'm also a big Muppets fan. So much so that even my imaginary listeners sound like Muffets. Muffets. Come on. They published a book in 2005 and began touring it around at trade shows and book shining. They toured it. They published a book in 2005 and began touring it around at trade shows and book shining. Shining! It's not shining. Sean Connery is reading this part of the episode. They published the book in 2005 and began touring it around at trade shows and book signings. <laughs> now you can tell that I'm enunciating. That's right. You just let me read it. I should do this whole episode. Get out of here, Sean. Have you even done a Christmas movie? Uh, you don't know that I haven't. <laughs> I'm t- I sort of changed to sort of a cross between Tom Brokaw and Jimmy Stewart there. Nope. <laughs> what? Your delivery was just as good as I'd hoped. It was better than I hoped it would be. <laughs> it's one of those things, it's only one word, but you delivered it just how I wanted it. <laughs>